definition of trauma is damage to the mind that occurs as a result of a distressing event. Trauma is often the result of an overwhelming amount of stress that exceeds one's ability to cope or integrate the emotions involved with that experience. Hold yourself back or heal yourself back together. You decide, Brittany Burgunder. Healing is never complete until we have been truly heard. May the universe send you someone who will sincerely care to listen. Anthony St. Martin. I know it hurts. I know you feel like you weren't good enough. But your breakthrough was coming. Don't give up on yourself now. You came too far. Your value is still high. And you're still beautiful. You don't need anyone to claim you to feel whole. Let it hurt and grow from it. Keyshawn Scott. Trauma. And its impact on relationships. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Just sit back. Relax. Whatever you got to do to make you relax, go do that right now. Because you're about to start the show. Trauma. How does it affect you? Others around you. Let's start the show. Trill Pill Podcast. Trill Pill Podcast. It's a weekly prescription. For trill shit. Now, today, hmm, this has been on my heart for a minute. Right? I want to talk about love versus respect. Okay? We both gotta have them. We gotta have both. Right, but there is a key to finding a balance. Now, 
I would be lying to you if I told you that I found that key <laughs> or the keyhole where it goes to. But all I can do is give you my best um, explanation of these things and why I think the way that I think. And I want to present you topics that provoke thought. You know, so when you chilling with your significant other, y'all can talk about love versus respect. And if you guys are having difficulty in love versus respect, um, you guys can talk about it. You know, brainstorm about it. See ways you can make each other better by giving love and respect. Now. I've been in a long relationship for a great deal of my life, right? Um, so, coming fresh from that relationship, coming to an end, um, I have, an, I feel like, a fresher perspective. See, some people be want to talk about love and respect and all this, but they're not even in a fucking relationship. Matter of fact, they haven't been in a relationship in fucking years so we're not gonna listen to nobody talk about love and respect and what a woman should do and what a man should do and all that we're not gonna nah. this is the trip pill podcast we're gonna talk about the trill shit what's really happening what's going on i like this podcast to be no host bar right which means whenever it gets to the masses however many masses there are i want them to think about these topics and hopefully provide feedback. Whoever listens, I would love for you to provide feedback. So that way, you know, I can know whether it's ways to make the podcast better or ways or I can do this different or that different or mix this different or put this right, whatever it is, send it to me. We'll check it out. But anyway, back to the topic at hand, right? I believe love, better yet, I know, right? I know for a fact that love is a choice, okay? You don't fall in love. All that falling in love shit is a myth. That shit is a fairy tale presented to us by Disney and whoever the fuck made them bullshit ass. You know, movies when we was younger or songs, you know what I'm saying, about falling in love. You don't fall in love. You may feel like you're falling in love. You're not falling in love. Okay? That's my opinion. There's no such thing as falling in love. Right? Why? Because you don't fall in love. You walk into love. Let that marinate for a minute while I hit this thing. You don't fall into love. You walk into it. If somebody's showing you love and you're continuing to be around that person, um, you want to be around this person because they show you so much love. It don't have to be an intimate relationship. It can be a friendship or I know some of y'all are in situationships or entanglements, whatever the fuck you want to call them. But look, 
You walk in love, right? You walk in it. You don't fall in love. You walk in it. There's not anybody falling in love. And somewhere, I know right now, some woman is probably like, but I fell in love. Some dude out there saying, man, I fell in love with that bitch, man. That bitch did everything, man. She held me down, boy. She put money on my boot. I know it's some woman out there that, you know, oh, I fell in love with him. He, He's so great. You know what I'm saying? He he just came to my job to fly with his candy. You know what I'm saying? Took me to the bathroom. Did we? <laughs> so you don't. You know, that's my opinion. You don't fall in love. You walk in it. You walk in it. Now, another thing that's also a choice is respect. Respect is a choice. Right? What's the famous mantra of everybody? You don't, you know, you can't just, you know, to, to earn respect, you got to give respect. You know what I'm saying? It's a two-way street. I'm just, you know, it's true. You know, um, but nonetheless, it is a choice. You know, I am not a LeBron fan like that, right? I'm just not. I haven't been a fan of him. Well, I, t- I take that back. I respect him. Keyword, respect him. Because of the journey that he took and what he's doing off the court and on the court. It's amazing. But that's about it. Right? I'm not his fan. Um, I've never owned a pair of LeBrons. Um, my favorite team beat LeBron when he was wanting to be a bad guy in 2011. Dallas Mavericks. Go check their tape out. Check the whole playoffs out. We did a whole lot of things. And it's another guy during that run that I, you know, I gained respect and love for. And that's Kobe. I gained the respect and love from Kobe because things that he did when even when he was dropping numbers on my Mavericks all the way until we swept him right after that back-to-back year. That's another story. But I respect him, and I've grown to love him because the things he did for the sport, the way he um, attacks life, the way he attacks his day, his fatherhood, you know, being a husband, those are things that I admired about him more than what I admired what he did on the court. I admired the out-the-court process, you know. He's an amazing guy, right? But I've gained, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, it's all about this balance you got to have for people that you choose to be in relationships with, um, especially sexual relationships. It is a certain trust and love that when you are married, you know, that union, you know, love is all inclusive and exclusive. Inclusive and exclusive. Right? When you respect someone, like your homeboy, he just started a company or he just hit the gang when it shot or he just accomplished something. Man, I respect that dude. Why? Because I remember when he didn't have shit, he was still acting like he had shit. And 
He ain't never showed no disrespect, so I showed him all respect in the world. You know, those are the, the, the balances. Um, also, respecting your mate, respecting your partner, your spouse, whoever he or she may be. Learning how to respect during a relationship is very important. Me personally, I feel like it's more important than love. Because love kind of comes naturally, right? Um, if you're attracted to a person and, you know, not only are you around them, but, you know, once you're around them, you like the way that they move around. You like this, you like that. You love the things, you know, about that person. And if it ever gets serious, you choose you choose to spend your time with that person. Well, to me, your time with somebody is the most valuable thing you can spend. It's not money, it's time, right? Because time is something that we don't get back. We can go out, spend $200 doing anything, bowling, uh, playing cornhole, you know, flipping quarters, whatever, right? Spend 200 you know. I know I'm going to spend over probably $200 just flipping quarters in the bathroom over my high school career. That would get like me was the game. But anyway, you can spend money. You can get that back, though. If you work, got a job, got a hustle. You can get back $200. But if I give you two hours of my time, 200 hours of my time, two minutes of my time, 2,000 hours of my time, two days of my time, two weeks of my time, two months of my time, and so on and so forth, I'm not getting that back. And I can't get it back. So, to me, that's what makes it more valuable. You know what I'm saying? Um, and it's very important that you go through these experiences through life and you learn from them, right? Because whether you know it or not, you can be a prisoner. You can become a prisoner in your own mind, right? That's how people become confused and, and they do shit like when that girl blew up that blew up that boy uh, uh, Jeep, she loved him. But I guarantee you, he ain't love her. And what happened probably was he told her where she stood and she didn't like it, so she took a gasoline can and damn near torched herself. Because she was mad. Because she loved him. But he didn't love her back. Prison of your own mind. But you can also, because, um, you know, that's the type of men I had in my family. You know, people like my brother and my dad and my Uncle Leon and, you know, my, some, uh, you know, my other brothers and other men that, um, you know, helped me learn how to become a man and, and, and work where the images of what a man does and what a man's responsibilities are in this lifetime, whether that means to his wife, to his kids, to his job, and just in general, you know, so shout out to them. And, um, you know, uh, the whole week was just fast as fuck. It was just ridiculously fast. It was, <laughs> it was crazy, man. It's like, 
Before I know it, I was in Dallas. Had to wake, walking in, seeing my mother, seeing her body cold was different, you know. It was unimaginable, to be honest, you know, like. I didn't have, I was frozen, right? I was fucking frozen, like, that's the woman whose body I came out of. Seeing her in the casket was, uh, hard, you know, got up to the wake, said my little piece, you know what I'm saying, because I feel like I, I just had to, I just had to get up there, you know, um, and say something, you know, the woman was great, but I also, amongst that, going back to school, um, midterms, I just bombed, like, I just didn't give a fuck, I just marked whatever I fucking marked, and left the class, I didn't give a fuck. Teachers look at me like, nigga, is you crazy? And I'm looking back at them like, I don't care about none of this shit, man. My mama just died. I buried her last week, man. And you and me worry about some fucking shit on a piece of paper. Fuck this shit. Fuck this. Fuck the school. Fuck all this shit. And treat, you know, that's how that's how it was. So I just was in a state of depression. I felt like I had a black cloud up over me. And unfortunately, that black cloud, that back, that that black cloud that was over me, it also hovered over the people that were there with me. You know, my ex-wife, which was my girlfriend, she was my fiance at the time, my little baby, she was three at the time. So, I did some things that I wasn't necessarily proud of that put them in harm's way. And I just was trying to figure the shit out. I didn't know what the fuck to do anymore. That was my main source of everything. My faith. Um, <laughs> like uh, everything. And that's when the um, that's when the, the substance abuse started. The pills, alcohol. Um, you know, it was overwhelming. I was hearing voices. I was insomnia. I couldn't fucking sleep. Um, whether it was just me being stressed and being anxious, I felt like an evil spirit was out to get me. Um, my fiance at the time, she was recording me in my sleep. And when I watched it back, it, the shit was like... Uh, some paranormal activity type of shit. Like it, it, it got weird. It got weird. Uh, I was talking in my sleep. Don't know who I was talking to. It was very uh, aggressive. Uh, swinging my arm from out of sleep. You know, um, a few times I had to sleep in the you know living room. Just I didn't want to, um, you know, accidentally hit my wife or anything, hit my fiance or anything like that. Or, I just had to isolate myself, and within that, I felt like something was um, something was wrong, but I couldn't put a finger on it, you know, to the point where, you know, at one point, the lowest point, you know, I'm going outside, panic attack, screaming, angry, wanting to fight, 
you know, thinking somebody is saying something about me, to me, about my family, about my mother, and wasn't nobody outside. So it was the summertime at Langston, it wasn't nobody outside. Um, so yeah, I've been there. That's why I feel the need to uh, speak on things like this because I am still in the trenches of it. You know, once you lose somebody that's special to you, this shit don't ever end. You know, you have to learn how to live with it. And I have a few of my brothers who have dealt with traumatic situations, whether it's losing family members, children, brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, aunts, uncle, or anybody that's, that was significant in their lives. We've lost those. So now we have to navigate in a cruel world where nobody gives a fuck about anything or anybody or our feelings. We have to navigate that because regardless on how we're feeling or on how down we are, the world don't give a fuck. And that's the bottom line. When I was going back to school, I was, didn't know what to do, so I just felt like, man, look, the teachers, they got up, you know, and they did their best to, you know, some did, some did, and I'll get to that point later, <laughs> i get to that point later, for sure, for sure, because I just felt like I was, uh, yeah, but anyway, um, at some point, um, you know, they, they tried to, they tried. I don't know how hard they, you know, they tried, but it's only so much that they could do. They have, you know, hundreds of other students. They can't just pinpoint on just one, especially if that one is not significant to them, you know, just just another student, you know. They got, you know. So, um, that's how it was, man. But uh, I had to pick my shit up, and I had to figure this shit out, you know. I couldn't just sit back and um, guess anybody. I had to figure it out and I'll be lying if I told you that I figured it out but I didn't I still somewhat don't but I feel like I'm putting a lot more effort you know um, but also Along with that, um, going through school, getting to the end point, all this shit was happening, man. I didn't know what the fuck to do, or to think, or to say. It was graduation time. Um, I knew I was shooting a Hail Mary. I was shooting a Hail Mary. Hoping that I passed these classes so I could graduate. Didn't give a fuck whether I graduated or not, to be honest, because at that point the shit had became irrelevant. And I just was trying to get through so I can into the next phase of my life with my family. Um, um, so we did what you call walk the stage. Walk the stage is you participate, and I regret doing it be honest, but you participate in the graduation ceremony, but you're not graduating, right? Um, I wasn't, 
I, you know, but at the time it was like, look, man, we've been through so much shit. My mama died last year, so maybe this can be a win. I just want this feeling. I just want the feeling of my family around me. And look, you know what? I may not have graduated, but still got a chance to do it in the future. Um, but and all the shit that we've been through at this school, shit, we're going to celebrate something. We're going to walk across something and do something because, God damn it, we bust our ass to be full-time parents and walk across the stage without no help, no none of that shit. Um, we had help from, we we had help from, us, you know, my, my support system. Um, you know, but as far as helping, raising a child, like, like it was us 24-7. Like, people can help you all day, every day, but at the end of the day, it's going to take for you to put that help to use, and that's what we have to do. We have to survive, you know, so if you, if you know anything about <laughs> surviving, you know what the fuck I'm talking about. But as I was coming down, right, there's another traumatic thing that happened during the, the graduation process. As I was walking down, a teacher, a very uh, beloved teacher at that school amongst people, um, should I say her name? Fuck it, I'm going to say her name. It's my shit. Uh, Miss Johnson, I think it's her name. And she got up out of her seat as I was on my way back, walking through, walking to go back and sit down. And she made it, you know, interest to get up in front of everybody, you know, while walking in the middle of the fucking ceremony and say, hey, you didn't pass your classes. Now, at this time, I I, kind of knew, but it's kind of like you chose that moment to say that, that moment. You couldn't have sent an email. You couldn't have, you know what I'm saying, done whatever. I fucking knew I probably failed it. it was, at least it was a possibility. But at the same time, why would you get your ass up and go do that? And at that time, it was traumatic because it's like, I know this motherfucker didn't just say that shit, man. Right here, right now. Like, I know it was probably right here, right now. Right here, right now. So she chose to get up and say that, and I didn't respect that, and I still don't respect that, and I don't respect her for doing that. Um, that is what it is, you know, regardless on how beloved that she is. Um, I think that was disrespectful. Uh, I think you need to sing, to, to, to sit down and, and find a different way to, to say that, you know. So that just made me wonder, like, damn, she really didn't, didn't really fuck with me like that, you know, for whatever reason. I don't give a fuck. Um, it pissed me off, and still does. It, it still does to this day because I feel like that was the ultimate disrespect for you to stand up in the middle of a fucking ceremony and tell me that, like, like first of all, like I don't already know. Like I didn't give a fuck. I was doing this just simply because. Look, man, my mom passed last year. I, I need to feel some type of happiness. You know what I'm saying? I already had you know jobs line, you know lined up. After all this shit happened, so I was ready to go. I was ready to, to, to jump out there, take what I had learned from Langston. You know, well, like I, you know, I wasn't far, less than five credits or whatever. But 
we're really less than three, but I didn't give a fuck, you know. You just don't do things like that to people. Uh, no matter how, you know, big you feel on the inside, like, oh, I can do whatever here because nobody's going to um, do anything to me if I do it. So, fuck it, I'm going to drop my nuts and I'm going to get up and I'm going to tell this young man who has been through so motherfucking much that, hey, I know you're in the middle of some, uh, of some happy shit, but you didn't. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, fuck that. Um, I wasn't down with that shit, so. I felt disrespected, you know. So that was also another traumatic thing that happened. I'm like, I'm sitting there like, I know this bitch would just get up and tell me that shit. Like it was, it was anger. Like I wanted to get up and and and, and walk out. I didn't tell anybody except for my fiance at the time. She's the only one that knew. People seen it, you know. Um, people may not have been paying attention to them. They seen it. They might have thought she was saying something productive or whatever. But nah, fuck that. You know, I don't know what college professor gets up and does that. I don't see that at any of these other schools, especially any of these predominantly white schools. I feel like shit like that only happens at schools like HBCUs because people feel comfortable, especially a place like Langston where it's very isolated. People who have, you know, some status or whatever or some... uh, uh, what the kids are called clout we get up and uh, <clears throat> do shit like that because she knows it won't nobody gonna be doing sh- like shit to her like she was down there invincible down there um she was beloved by all the students but i didn't really care um at that point you know she was always cool but i didn't really care for her at that point because i thought like that's disrespectful and one thing i would not tolerate or even you know whatever is disrespect but in that time period I didn't want to do anything to cause the scene I let her have a little moment uh, personally I guess it had to be personal to to do that <clears throat> fuck what you're talking about and um yeah so that was traumatic I, 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 so I go back you know I, I tell my my people who they're, they're with me and all that shit and so you know but I'm going into that it's like okay down with somebody basically Telling me that I ain't shit right now. Reminding me. That was a harsh reminder of, hey, you think your life ain't shit? I got some more salt to put on your game, man. <laughs> so that's how I feel, man. But fuck it. God bless him. Anyway, um,. This is this next segment, man. I just wanted to share with personal things like that, and I share them throughout the time because it's still wasn't the only thing. So, gonna get into it. First segment I want to get into is the impact of childhood trauma in adult relationships. Um, what happens to us as children can affect the attachment style we carry into our adult relationships. Trauma hugely influences attachment. Often people who grew up in happy, healthy, and stable homes where caregivers were emotionally available and responsive to their needs have a secure attachment style. These people don't push partners away or cling too tightly. While they may have troubles in their relationships themselves, an unhealthy attachment style isn't the cause. Um, When our caregivers reject us, 
or are unresponsive to our needs, we may develop an insecure avoidant or dismissive avoidant attachment style. If you have the attachment style, you most likely avoid close relationships or you keep partners at bay. You, you keep partners at an emotional distance. You may hide your feelings, push people away, keep secrets, and shut down when others show emotion. Despite these behaviors and seeming disinterest in intimacy, insecure, avoidant people often strongly desire relationships and feel alone. These children who experience persistent neglect or abuse may develop a fearful, avoidant, or disorganized, disoriented attachment style when the person who is supposed to love you and care for you is the person who hurts you. It makes sense that you could grow up to fear both intimacy and being alone. Individuals with this attachment style have a hard time trusting people, close themselves off emotionally, and are terrified of rejection and may be uncomfortable showing affection. If our caretakers fluctuate between being responsive to our needs and dismissive or neglectful of our needs, we may develop an insecure, ambivalent, or anxious, preoccupied attachment style. Adults with this attachment style are often called clingy. If this is your attachment style, you're likely to desire lots of intimacy and are ever watchful of changes in your relationship. Yeah, changes in your relationship, sorry. Um, sometimes to the point of paranoia, you may feel like you're more devoted to your partner than your partner is devoted to you. Have low self-esteem and show a high level of emotional dysregulation, i.e. mood swings. Not only does this trauma impact us within our adult relationships, but it also affects our partners. When you have an unhealthy attachment style, you you may have a hard time recognizing your partner's emotions or responding appropriately to his or her feelings. You may feel uncomfortable when your partner shows anger or sadness and not know how to react. And you may pull away, become distant, or you may grab on too tightly, thus harming both your relationship and the person you love. If you're aware that you're an anxious, preoccupied person and notice tiny shifts in your partner's behavior, you would know that your unhealthy attachment style clouds your feelings. So just imagine your partner comes home in a bad mood you ain't feeling like doing shit job been working your ass off or you be working at your you know your, your, whatever your occupation is you've been pissing you off people been pissing you off the goddamn um <laughs> bad day your, your favorite team you know saying getting the ass kicked <clears throat> cowboys anyway <clears throat> coming home in a bad mood fuck this shit right amongst other shit that's going on personally with you, you know, um, or imagine that's your spouse, you know, they may, he or she may be pissed off from work. They come home and here you go, jump into conclusions that you did something wrong. 
or thinking means that he or she doesn't love you anymore. You know, but if you realize that your attachment style is, you know, is driving your reaction and not the facts of a situation, you can give your brain a little breathing room and choose a more appropriate response. You got to give people space. You got to give yourself space. You know, I always say people should, you know, you know, it's, it's the cliche, you know, go with your first mind. It's like. I don't think you should always go with your first mind. I don't think you should go with your first mind, to be honest. Now, in some cases, like when you're playing sports, you kind of got to read and react. But in life, where there ain't no clock on the board, you ain't playing no sport. And just in life, I feel like, um, not that I feel like, I know. Fuck feelings. We don't deal with feelings over here. We speak on what we know. What I know is it's beneficial for both people to just get some space. Um, back up off each other, ease up, you know, yeah, you know, you may come home and your man, you know, or you may be at home and your man may come home from work and he pissed off and he, you know, dealing with people all day, fucking body sore, headache, you know, just coming through just tired from work. And the last thing he wants to hear is you coming around the motherfucking corner barking. <laughs> So last thing he wants to hear, ease up, get that man, you know, if, you know, he's like, what's wrong with you? And he don't say, he, give him some space, give him some time to, you know, relax or be the reason that he relaxes, you know what I'm saying? Don't cry, you know, it's ain't, you know, a lot of times. Um, I know it, with, with women in particular that they, they men want something with some hairs on it. Well, we all know that, that that thing has matured and 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 been through life and been through, and grown up. That ball pussy shit is weird, and I think it's kind of pedophilic. But anyway, let y'all do that. That shit is awful. They got they got hairs on. Anyway, that's not topic. Oh, uh, so yeah, think about. What they want instead of what you want to give them. Alright, so this next segment is all about R E S P E C T. I have to look at that shit to make sure I ain't do that shit wrong. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Gotta proofread your shit. That was the next segment about respect. We all need it. Respect. In my opinion, in relationships, right, I feel like respect is more important than love. Okay? Because I feel like when you lose respect for somebody, you lose those feelings of love, too. Right? So although you need love to maintain, right, the respect is, is important. And the love is, is is a branch off the respect. Like you need some love, you you gotta have love, some type of love, even if it's the most minuscule amount of love for somebody, some type of it to have respect for somebody. You know, think about when you broke up in relationships, right? You start losing respect for that person. Maybe something he or she did 
was fouled to you. It was a boundary for you. They didn't respect your boundaries, and they went left on you, right? And maybe that was like, man, I can't respect that shit, dog. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I can't respect that shit. You know what I'm saying? It may be, say, for instance, you know, I know we're talking about, you know, relationships as far as intimate ones, you know, with your spouse or partner, but even when your friendships, right, you be like, man, what it did, what? Man, I can't respect that nigga no more, man. We ain't, you know what I'm saying? We ain't, doing, we ain't doing that. Or girls, women, and be like, you know, oh, she did what? She, she whatever, you know, she fucked. So and so, man, we can't respect that. We can't go for that. <clears throat> we all have these type of situations. They're natural to us. They're they're put there um, so we can learn from them, you know. And if we don't learn from them, we keep going through the same shit over and over again. So that's why I think respect is more important than love in your relationship. Um, like I said, you know, you lose those feelings. Of love when you lose respect for somebody. You know. You need to love yourself. Listen to this. You got to love yourself. Right. This is what I, this is some shit that I'm telling you. I've just been cracking open the journal. Write that pen. And just write. This ain't no shit that I just got from the motherfucking. Back of a cracker chat box. Bitch you got me fucked up. This is real life experiences. Excuse me for the explicit language. If anybody listen to this and don't. Uh, like cursing, I'm so sorry, but this is my podcast, and I do what I want. Now, like I said, um, you lose that, like you lose all those feelings, and you gotta love yourself. You have to love yourself in order to love your spouse, right? If you don't love yourself, if you are depending on someone else for your happiness, for your definitions and comprehensions of uh, uh, um, love and respect and you know what it means to be caring and understanding and all those nice cute shit that we be fucking saying when we want us we know you know how you know how we can give it sometimes everybody can get a little corner and be like oh I want a man that's gonna do this or I want a woman that's gonna do this and then be understanding and caring and alright chill out <laughs> that shit just a lot of that shit just sound cute to say, but a lot of people don't understand what that means, right? And if they did, it, they would be more successful relationships. It wouldn't be a high ass divorce rate, divorce rate, divorce rate. It wouldn't be one. It it it, it wouldn't be a, a a high rate of breakups and relationships and you know all these stats that somebody made the fuck up like it wouldn't it wouldn't be that right something like divorce rates going up in the years um are alarming because other people who went went as far as it took these vows bought a suit woman bought a dress shoes money honeymoon shit was cute you know they you know you know, follow my niggas who marry. You already know how it go. You know what I'm saying? And follow my, you know, um, girls. I don't want to say all my bitches is mad. You know, I don't want to say that because that's kind of picky. But all my, you know, queens out there that's been married, you know how that marriage feeling is. Me personally, um, got married, 
went on the honeymoon. The next day, fucked on the balcony. Yep. Exciting times, ain't it, when you first get married. You know, you start doing shit like that. We, oh, we married, boom. We here now. We at the spot. We bought the beach. Kick down the door. Tear the clothes off. Binge over the lawn chair. I ain't getting too graphic, but that's what it was. Anyway. You know, it's Trail Pill Podcast. We don't we don't do all that uh, you know, high side and act sedating and whatever you want to call it, bougie. Like, I've never done that. A lot of y'all women have been, you know, bent over and 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 thrashed on and thrapped on and some you know, some of my fellas out there we done did some damage out there, so we all grown. We all grown. So we know how it is. We know what it is. And if you've been in a relationship, you know, you know that you start doing shit that you ain't never did before. Ain't even thought about trying before because you love this person. You respect this person with your time and your body and your mind. <laughs> right. So, <clears throat> you have to love yourself in order to love your spouse. You know, um, you have, you know, respect for your, you know, respect for yourself. You show respect to your partner. You know what I'm saying? Why you think women get mad? Why you think your girl got mad when you was at the crib? You got home early from work. You at the crib. Your girl had to work a little late. She came home. But you started watching... Uh, this is us. DVR. The thing with y'all DVR, trying to get to watch because y'all was going out. All type of shit. You done watched it. Excuse me. And yeah, and your wife come home and she like, how the fuck can you watch this shit without me? I told you to be mad in the motherfucker. Look. <laughs> I never had to happen to me, but you know, I definitely heard stories. I've seen it happen. I've been there when it happened. With some people, so that's what it is. It's like, damn, I, I, I thought I, I loved you enough. I thought you loved me enough not to watch this shit. You know, this is our show. That's something that y'all spend time together with. So, but anyway, shit like that, right? Um, or when you have respect for yourself and take care of yourself, you know, um, certain morals, values, principles that you have for yourself, the way you carry yourself, your standards. You know what I'm talking about? Um. With those, you respect yourself. So when you had those type of standards and morals for yourself, you kind of automatically have them for your partner too. You know, you have those standards. Apparently, they've met those standards. If you're with them, you know, they've met those those morals, those principles. They meet those. They meet the things that 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 you want. And a partner or a spouse, they meet the criteria for you to spend your time with them. Okay? Okay. <laughs> so, uh, um, it still took a big toll on her, and we had to move. Um, but, you know. You gotta take time out to let somebody, you know, you gotta let the people, you gotta let it breathe sometime, man. You can't 
just be all up on somebody, man. You don't know what that person's been through or going through. You know what I'm saying? So it's always good to get a person some space. Yeah. Let them come back around, you know. But let them deal with it, you know. Try your best to see what helps, you know. Always have your support on demand. It's a lot of things, you know what I'm saying? It's a plethora of things. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, you may be with your girl and uh it's persist, you know. It's you know, it both makes them possible and perpetuates them. It's no coincidence that progressivism is the common thread that Binds predominantly black cities where single parent homes, failing schools, rampant poverty, and crime predominate. Look at these beautiful cities. Cities such as Detroit, Philly, Baltimore, Chicago, they've been ran by progressive Democrats for decades. If their liberal policies were all effective, then these cities should have become models of the economic growth that they talk about. The prosperity that they preach but instead they become models of dysfunction by fostering and exporting the victim mentality discouraging self-examination subsidizing baby mamas and making excuses so-called progressive policies don't alleviate the problems that afflict the black community yet they aggravate those problems. And you may have noticed that racism did not make the motherfucking list. <laughs> Trip Hill Podcast. Thanks for listening. Have a good week. God bless. Keep it true.